Let's get into the Word of God. We're in the Gospel according to Matthew, starting with chapter 16. And Jesus has a question for his disciples. The Word of God says, when Jesus came to the region, in verse 13, the region uh, of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Let us pray. Father, you have sent your son into this world to be a light in a world of darkness, that Jesus would be the true light. So we ask him to shine in this moment again. We want to see the Son of God. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We begin our conversation in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God. Jesus was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God, and that through him all things were created. And this Jesus, this, this Jesus was the true light, and he came into this world of darkness. And we ask the question, why does God turn the lights on? In Genesis chapter 1, why does he turn the lights on? In, in John chapter 1, why does he turn the lights on again? And it's so that we will see, so that we will not stumble, so that we can appreciate life again. This is why God turns the light on. It's all about us. It's all about us, us being able to enjoy the way that life was meant to be enjoyed. The problem is we live in a world of darkness, as we've already discussed. We live in a world where because of a choice that Adam and Eve made, remember they made that vote, they heard the serpent's speech as he was campaigning, you know, change you can believe in and let's make the garden great again. And, and so, so, so they cast their vote for this new presidency. And ever since that moment, darkness has reigned. So we ask the questions, Lord, why are bad things happening? Why did my brother die of cancer? And why am I going through a divorce? And, and why did my, my child uh, uh, have to have this, this disease? And, and why? And God is going to say the same thing to you over and over again. Sin, sin, sin. Often there is absolutely no reason why bad things happen because sin is unreasonable. Trying to find a reason is fruitless. It's just a messed up world. But Jesus steps into this world and he decides to be the light of this world and he calls us to follow in his footsteps and tells us to be a light and not to be hidden in this world. But the reality is it's still at its very best filtered light. Isn't that true? At its best. So even when we're called to be a light in a world of darkness, it's filtered at best. Even Scripture, filtered. 
I believe that the, 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 that the Word of God, the Bible that we have, the 66 books that we call the Bible, I believe these are inspired writings. But I'm going to be honest with you. These inspired writings were written by people who were broken, imperfect, sinners, bad trees. I'm going to be honest with you. There is some stuff I read in Scripture that I'm like, come on, Solomon, are you serious? Has any, have any of you actually read Ecclesiastes? That book is a hot mess. That is one depressed guy who does not believe in the second coming, just so you know. I know we get our state of the dead doctrines from him. That brother doesn't believe in a resurrection. He's so depressed with life, he says, man, he said, there's no point. It's useless. It's like chasing the wind. Life makes no sense. What's the point of doing all this work, earning all this money, and for what? To give it to your children? Purposeless. I'm like, bro, come on, your grandchildren? I don't care about them. Seriously, read Ecclesiastes. Very depressing. He ends the book with this one statement. He says this, there's only one thing I have left to tell you. Have reverence for God. Keep his commandments for this is what we were designed for. That's where he lands. You read the book of Job, you only read the first two chapters of Job, where he says, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Read the rest of Job, it's 42 chapters long. Job goes off on God. Have you read the Psalm? Look, I'm sorry, again, David writes some really good songs, right? Some top 40 hits, but Psalm has some duds. Stuff that never makes the top 40. Stuff that sometimes doesn't even feel inspired. It's like, David, are you serious? Bro, come on. God loves his enemies. You know that, right, David? Oh, no, David doesn't want God to love his enemies. Absolutely not. Crush them, destroy them, pulverize them, blood everywhere. That's not loving your neighbor, David. I don't care. Death, death, death. David is so off that God's like, man, you cannot build a sanctuary for me. Are you serious? No. Can I do a Sabbath school room? No. Right? The Bible was written by people that are even at times in disagreement with one another. I, come on. There are times where one author's like, you know what? God inspired David to take a census so that he could punish him. And another author comes around and says, that wasn't God, that was Satan. Are you serious? God doesn't tempt us. Paul says, righteousness by faith alone. James says, come on, not just, just faith, because faith without works, Paul, is dead. And Peter's like, yo, man, Paul has some really tough stuff. He says, you know, it's kind of difficult for me to even handle it. And they get into fights in the book of Acts. It was two demoniacs. No, one, two, one. I was there, Mark. Oh, okay, you win. <laughs> At best, it's filtered light. You've got broken people that are writing these journal entries, right, sending text messages, sending these emails, and they had no idea that we would one day collect all this stuff and call it the Holy Word of God. And that is why when we're reading Scripture sometimes, I'm, listen, the Bible can be very dark. It is not a book you should read all the time before you go to bed. And it's so interesting when you read those, those, those children's stories, right? Because it's so sanitized. It's like, oh, there was water and a boat and animals, a floating zoo. 
We don't want to talk about all the death in that story. Like the whole world pretty much died except for eight people. No, it was San Diego Zoo just floating around. It was just so, good night, honey, God loves you, right? We don't talk about how stressful it was that, you know, at the end of it, Noah got wasted, all right? There's some dark, dark stuff. We don't even want to talk about how the 12 tribes of Israel came from Jacob hooking up with four different women. You're already upset with me. I can see you. You're just, you're just, he's just talking so much trash about the Bible. Leave it alone. I'm just telling you, it's messy. It's really, really, really messy. And the best part of the Bible where God redeems us, that is the messiest part. So even when we hear light, at best it's filtered. And what does Paul say? We see through a glass darkly. Right? 1 Corinthians 13. We see through a glass darkly, a, a foggy mirror. We, 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 but, 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 but one day we will see clearly. One day we will see him face to face. We'll see him for who he, who he really is. We'll see it very clearly. The way that Hebrews describes it, that Jesus is the perfect radiance of the Father, the exact representation. He comes into the world, and one day we will see this unfiltered, unbroken, this perfect representation of who God is. So Jesus comes into the world, and there's no brokenness in him. There's no sin in him. There's no guile in him. He is the exact, perfect representation of who the Father is. So he can say, if you've seen me, you've seen Pops. So who do men say I am? Well, you know, they say you're Elijah. And listen, Elijah, please, are you serious? I know he had a fiery limo pick him up, but Elijah, really? Elijah follows up that, 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 that mega Super Bowl battle of defeating the prophets of Baal, he follows that up with a suicide attempt. Did you know that? After doing that, after flexing his muscles, after exercising so much faith, he hears that Jezebel wants to kill him and then runs into a desert to die. Leaves his servant behind and says, leave me alone. Goes into a desert to die. God is the one that has to wake him up and feed him. And then wake him up again and feed him some more. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist, greatest man ever born of a woman. But even he lost his faith. Even he got it twisted in the end. Even he struggled. Broken, filtered light. But not Jesus. Perfect light. Unfiltered. Undiluted. Who do people say I am? This is what they're saying, Elijah saying this, this prophet, that prophet, boom, 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 boom. Who do you guys say I am? Peter steps up and says, you are the Messiah, the one we've been looking for. And even more than that, you are the son of God. That's a good word. Jesus appears to be moved by this, taken back. And listen to what he says to Peter. We're back in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, 
and on this rock I will build my church. Now, Auntie Ellen says in Desire of Ages that Christ wasn't wanting to build his church on Peter, a pebble, a stumbling stone, a rolling stone, but that Jesus was referring to himself as the rock, that I would, he'd build his church on himself. He was the rock. So, but he says, but you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And listen to this, and the gates of Hades will what? not overcome it. I will give you, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, you know that our, 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 our Catholic brethren, they, they take this text and they say that this is, this is the first pope. Peter's the first pope. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So that, that God gave, uh, Christ gave Peter the authority to change things up. And so we often stay away from this text because we're afraid of the implications. But this is what we do often as Adventists. We get really afraid of certain texts and we pretend they don't exist. But this text actually does exist. Jesus says something that you have to understand here. He says, I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you the keys. You see, what happened in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve decided to, again, cast their vote for a new presidency, when they cast their vote, what they did is they took the keys to the Garden of Eden, they took the keys to the planet Earth, and they gave it over to who? Satan. And he became the prince, the ruler of this world. What Jesus did is take the keys back. Hello? That's a good word, right? He takes the keys back. He redeems us. He buys us back. He reconciles us. He takes the keys back. And Jesus says this to Peter, I'm giving them back to you. They were yours from the beginning. These keys I actually gave to Adam. I told him to have dominion over the world. I told him, I told him to rule over the, over the animals. I told him to tend to the garden. I gave Adam these keys, but Adam gave these keys to someone else, but I have come into this world to destroy the power of this thief. I have come into this world to dispel the darkness. I have come into this world to overthrow the prince and ruler of this world. So I now am going to give you these keys. Flesh and blood could not have revealed this to you. Only my Father in heaven and Jesus at this moment, because he believes he has this trust now with his disciples and they're vibing with him. He says, guys, I... I'm going to keep it real with you right now. Stuff's about to go down. And so they're like, yes, yeah, right, it's about to go down. We're about to take over this world. Yes, but not exactly how you think. I have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. They're going to crucify me. And Peter grabs Jesus by the arms. Come here. Get over here right now. What are you thinking? I just declared you the Messiah, the Son of God. They cheered. You just gave me the keys, and now you're going to tell us this depressing story? Look at Bart. Look at Bartholomew. He's crying. You did that. Shame on you, Jesus. This will never happen. We would never allow this to happen. We would stop this. We, we, we would protect you. This, this is foolishness. And then Jesus says to Peter, get the behind me, Satan. But you just gave me the keys. <laughs> no one's ever called me 
before. You see how quickly things can change? But we're the remnant. We've been prophesied. Satan. But you told me I would lead the children into the promised land. Go up to the mountain and die, Moses. That's so mean. That's so mean. How could you say that? Give me the keys. No, 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 no. I won't say it again. I won't do it. If you can't handle the keys, I will gift it to someone else. I love our church. I like being a part of the Advent people. I do. But I've also grown up in this church, and it is dysfunctional and unhealthy and full of itself. You think you're better than everyone else. I've grown up in that culture where you're afraid of people that go to church on Sunday. Because <gasps> they're going to kill us one day, Pastor. <laughs> they, they are. Gonna, one day they're going to have a gun in the back of our heads and they're going to ask us if we, if we keep the Sabbath and if we say no, we'll, we'll, we'll live. But if we say yes, our heads are off. We have grown up in our own heads persecuted when no one has ever thrown you in prison. But they're going to, so we can't trust everyone. I have been around Adventist people who are so angry and so distrusting of everyone. You even sit on a pew trying to figure out who is a real Adventist. You know they go to a restaurant on the Sabbath. I know. I heard, I heard they went to the beach and they went in waist deep. <gasps> I knew it. I knew it. I'm going to take it to the board. I know. We have become a sick people. We don't even know why we keep the Sabbath. We're not even sure why. Some of us still believe it's a, it's a test or it's a sign or it's, it's, it's some badge that separates us from, from, you know, we're the good wheat, you know, from the weeds or stuff like that. We don't even enjoy the Sabbath the way we talked about it, I think, the first night. We talked about the Sabbath was made for man, that God designed it for us, that it's our birthday that we get to celebrate every single week, that it's a holiday, and that God orders us not to work so that we can enjoy it. He orders us to fellowship and to eat the best food because it's a party every single week, and we still treat it like, well, we got to do it for God, you know, because he gave us six days to do what we want, but on this day, we have to do what he wants. It never says that in the Bible. God says if you would just stop doing your own thing, which was working, that's what they were doing, opening up the city gates, working, 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 working. And God says, stop talking idle talk. Stop all that business talk. Stop trying to make more money. I will bless you with the six days that you work more than the seven days that you work. Won't you trust me? I'm trying to give you a day off. I'm trying to give you a holiday. Just enjoy the day. Rest. 
rest, rest. And no, 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 we can't. No, we can't. In fact, for us, oh man, we do spiritual work on the Sabbath. You notice that? You know how all our meetings happen on the Sabbath? All of our meetings happen on the Sabbath. Everything. We got to count the money on the Sabbath. We got to have the diaconate meeting on the Sabbath. We got to have a pathfinders meeting on the Sabbath. We're doing board meeting on the Sabbath. We're doing everything. Oh, but it's good work. It's good work. The Bible does say if your mule is in the ditch. But we dig the ditch, then kick our mule in it, and then try to take it out. <laughs> this day should not be that difficult. And stop staying in church for 10 hours. Get outside. Do something. Enjoy it. I couldn't stand church when I was growing up. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I hated it. Your kids should not hate church. If your kids are hating church, something is wrong with the way you do church. Yes. Figure that thing out. So the Bible tells us, the, the Bible tells us, this is Jesus' own words, his own words, his own words. He tells us that he's going to give us the keys. He's going to give us the keys, and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's given it back to us, asking us to do our job. And this is what Jesus says, yo, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I, I, I got this. You got the keys. What do you want me to do? In John 15, he says, if you remain in me and I remain in me and I remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be given to you. He tells his disciples that greater things will you do than me. I'm on this earth. I'm doing great things. You know I'm doing great things. Guys, check this out. I'm going to leave and I must leave so I can send you the comforter because if I don't leave, I'll be stuck in this shell. I'll be stuck in this flesh. But if I leave, I'll be able to be in all of you. I'll be able to be everywhere. See, see I'm Clark Kent right now, but I'll really be able to be the Justice League if you allow me to go back home. I'll be able to be everywhere, all places, at all times. You'll be the temple. You'll be the light. You'll be the salt. You'll be able to take down this government of the devil. You'll be able to break the chains of darkness. You'll do greater things than me. And check this out. Not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against you. This is powerful. This means that we're not on the defense, Adventist, we're on the offense. If the gates of hell can't prevail, we're trying to break down some gates. It doesn't say hell will not prevail against our gates. That's not what it says, right? It says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We're on the offense. Get out of this shell. But the sanctuary protects us. We got we to protect ourselves. We're in this world right now. We got we to gotta run to the hills one day. We gotta, there ain't no hills to run to. You're in Florida. You ain't got no hills. Nobody can hide. There's no mountains. I'm sorry. Nobody can hide. There's, look, at, you're not going to be at a place where you have to, like, do your own Whole Foods, you know, somewhere where no one can find you. It's not happening. Yes, I believe those prophecies had an application in Jesus' day, but there are some things that are not applicable to us right now. We are right now in the world, and Christ is asking us to be the light of this world. He's asking us to be the salt of this earth. We're not afraid of darkness. Darkness should be afraid of us. Here's the other thing that I have a problem with with our with our eschatology. We have, we, have, we have 
We know in Matthew 24, we know in Matthew 24, it's a double prophecy. It's a, it has a double fulfillment. Jesus is speaking to the generation that would endure the, 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 the destruction of Jerusalem, and he has an application for us. And this is what's so interesting. This is what's so interesting, is that as Jesus is talking about what's going to happen in Matthew 24, and he's telling them about the signs of the times and everything like that, you know, they're like, oh, wow, there's going to be rumors of wars and all this other kind of stuff, and hearts are going to wax cold and all this other kind of stuff, and there's going to be this and that and earthquakes and stuff like that. But Jesus keeps saying, the end has not yet come. The end has not yet come. The end has not yet come. You know that, right? But in chapter 24, listen to what he says in, 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 verse, in verse 13. It says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, verse 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world and as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. The end doesn't come until this has happened. In other words, the last sign of the times is that the gospel of the kingdom reaches the ends of the earth. It's preached as a testimony, which is not just words, but it is also, it is action. And that's how the end of the world happens. It is not from violence. It is from the act of the kingdom of God accomplishing its mission. And check this out. You know this very well. Daniel chapter 2, the, the, the vision in Daniel chapter 2, what is it? It is a statue that represents all the different nations, right? We look at it as, as all the dispensations all throughout history, all the kingdoms, and there's a rock that is cut out from a mountain. And who is that rock in Daniel chapter 2? Who is that rock? Who is the rock of ages? It is Jesus, and this rock, it smashes the nations. It, it smashes this statue. It all crumbles, and from that rock, what happens? What happens as that rock does that? What does the Bible say in Daniel? What happens to that rock? It does what? It begins to do what? It begins to grow. The vision says it grows until it fills the whole earth. It grows until it fills the whole earth earth. It grows. The gospel of the kingdom reaches the very ends of the earth, the utmost, the uttermost. It reaches. It continues to expand. The world doesn't end because the remnant gets smaller. The world ends because the kingdom of God fills it. We have been preaching doom and gloom and that's not what Jesus is preaching. I'm giving you the keys. Go into your house, shut the doors, lock everything, Peter. Everybody, lock everything, put the gates up, the surveillance cameras, and don't trust anyone. Is that what Jesus says? Here's the keys. And whatever you decide to do, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Are you serious, Jesus? Yes. Greater things will you do than me. Are you serious? I'm not a liar. So I can stop world hunger? Yes, you can. No, that's impossible. Oh, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. I'm not just talking to this church. I'm talking to the Seventh-day Adventist organization. If Seventh-day Adventists wanted to end world hunger today, they could. Why haven't we? Well, there's an evangelistic crusade we're going to do. It's, you know, we're going to pass out some more steps to Christ. And the, 
and the great controversy because the world's coming to an end, and so we got to make sure everybody knows. I'm just wondering how many people went hungry because we printed more books. Now listen, Auntie Ellen's clear on this. Jesus met the needs first. You don't print any more books until every mouth is fed. Oh, but they have spiritual needs too. We got to look at their spiritual needs because that's more important. Well, that's not how Jesus did it, right? Christ method alone. Y'all heard of that? Christ method alone. You know what I'm talking about, old school. You're already there. He met their needs where they are. Let's end sex trafficking. Then we can print a book. Until then, stop printing. I don't want our church to spend another $30 million on the general conference session until we have solved other issues. We don't need to come together every five years and vote. We have computers. Let's do it online. It's far cheaper. But pastor, we get to sing together and hold each other's hands. It's so powerful. All the nations coming together. Revelation tells me when all the nations will come together. And it's not every five years. It's at the end of time. Then we can celebrate. Right now, we have a work to do. Stop wasting money when you have people who are hurting, starving, homeless, The gospel of the kingdom has to reach the ends of the earth, and it should start here, right now, in this community. Every ministry, you should ask yourself this question. Before we spend money on this, have we taken care of this need? How are people going to see the light? It's because you are the light. And you're the light in their darkness. And for some of them, it's their marriage. Don't just simply go up to them and pray for their marriage. Don't do that. Don't, in fact, stop using words. Next time you pray, don't you dare use a word. 90% of communication is nonverbal. Stop using words. If you want to pray for somebody and their marriage, then don't go on your vacation. Take that money and send them to a marriage retreat. Send them, okay? You're not going to Paris this summer. You're going to send your neighbors who are struggling in their marriage off on a retreat, and you're going to take care of their kids while they're gone. That's your prayer. That's your prayer. No more words. I'm just going to pray for my son. He's, just, he's, a, he's away right now, and he's on, he's on drugs, and he's just partying, and Lord, I'm just going to keep praying. Stop using words. Let your prayers be nonverbal. God has given you the keys. Well, how am I going to win my son? Love on your son. But if I love on him, he's going to think he's doing right. Listen, nobody says, oh, because mom loves me, that means she wants me to smoke pot. Nobody says that. Pastor, this whole love thing, it just means that you're just giving them a license to sin. I don't have a license to give them in order to sin. They're going to sin no matter what, just like you sin no matter what. Love on them. Love on them. But they're going to think that we accept what they do. You can accept them without accepting what they do. I love you. I'm a Raiders fan. That doesn't mean we can't hang out. I don't think we should iron our clothes on the Sabbath. Oh, you didn't think I was old school like that, right? 
You know why? I hate ironing clothes, so I try to do as much work as I possibly can do so I can enjoy the Sabbath. That's my reason for doing it. But you may see it differently, but we can sit on the same pew. So even if we listen to different music, even if we're struggling with different things, even if, even, even if our lifestyles are different, we're still a part of the same family of God. We might be different, but our Father is the same. He's the same. And if you can do it, if you can do this on Thanksgiving, then you can do this in church. If you can do this on Christmas Day, then you can do this in church. And if you can do this in church, you can do this in your community. You have more schools in this community than Forest Lake Academy. You have public schools. Those are your schools. Do something about it. Let the rock grow until it fills this whole city. Let it grow until it fills this whole world. The gates of hell will not prevail against people that take the keys to the kingdom and trust that God has empowered them to do what only he can do through them. Are you ready to change the world? This is my prayer request, that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Ooh, who told me how to pray like that? Who told me how to pray like that? Who was that again? Who, whose prayer was that? Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will done on… Who said that? Jesus said that. Wow. And what does the world look like when his will is done on earth as it is in heaven? That's what it looks like. God being in control is trusting you with the keys. That his will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that when Jesus comes again, May this world already have begun the process of restoration. Hello? May God come back and say, all I got to do is just a couple new trees, a little gardening over here, and we're good. (laughs) May the fire that purifies this world be the Holy Spirit that starts right here. You want to be part of something like that? If you do, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Now, I know some of you are struggling. I know. I know some of you are thinking you want to you go to great controversy. You want to read all the different books and all the, prophet, all the prophecies and stuff like that. But we read the Word of God this morning, did we not? The, the last sign of the time is the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom being preached as a testimony to the entire world. We read from Matthew 16 that God has given us the keys, and he said the gates of hell will not prevail. Is that the Word of God? That's the Word of God. I'm taking Jesus at His Word. He told us that that we would do greater things than Him. Is that the Word of God? All right, so if you get angry, get angry with Jesus. Don't get angry with me. He happens to trust you more than you know, and that's why He's giving you the keys. Let's do our job, remnant. Let's do our job. Let's not just be the remnant. Let's be the whole thing, man. Let's bring it all. We don't, we don't want there to be a small part. We want the whole, we want the whole enchilada. Amen? Now, I know you're hungry, but, but you want the whole thing? You want the whole thing. Let us pray. Father God, you see those who are standing. They're making a commitment right now to take you at your word. We are tired of cowering and sitting in our ivory towers and hiding out in our sanctuaries, trying to protect ourselves from the world, trying to protect ourselves from the darkness. We believe in your word that the light is greater than the darkness. It is more powerful. It is more consuming. We believe the light will overcome the darkness. It always wins. Light always wins over darkness. Father, we we see it every day when we turn the lights on in our house. Light 
always overcomes the darkness. So we're no longer afraid of the darkness. In fact, the darkness has to be afraid of us. The gates of hell will not prevail against this onslaught. We are going to take you at your word. We are going to believe that whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We believe that your will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how you called us to pray. So we want to see this world become a little bit more like heaven. We want to see this world not get worse, but get better because we believe that is the last sign of the time, that the gospel of the kingdom reaches everywhere. We want to see this rock, your church, expand until it fills the whole earth. Thank you so much for entrusting us to be a part of this. We are going to change the way we do ministry. We will end world hunger. We will end sex trafficking. We believe that you can do it through us. In Jesus' name, amen.